Hey, welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich Davenport. I'm Jen Davenport. And we are here to talk to you about a DC Extended Universe movie, The Suicide Squad, the 10th DCEU movie, actually. Did you know There's this 10 was of them? I, I didn't realize that there were 10 of them. It just seems, it seems like there have been less than that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I suppose because you've got the Wonder Woman movies and you've got Justice League, mm. Aquaman, Four, Batman, of, Batman versus Superman, yep. Man of Steel, uh, the, the original Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. You've got Harley Quinn. I don't know what the ninth one is, let alone that this would be the 10th one. Hmm. I don't know. I, I guess I guess it doesn't really matter. I suppose I could look it up. Here, here, here are the films. Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League. Oh, Shazam. We forgot about Shazam. How could we forget that one? I like that one. No, no. It goes Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, 1984, and then The Suicide Squad. Okay. All right. That makes so, sense. So this is the 10th, if you don't forget about movies. But yeah, so this is now I feel like we've seen this movie before. Have we seen this movie before? Or was it just that old Suicide Squad that made me think we've seen this movie before? I think a little bit between the old Suicide Squad and the fact that James Gunn wrote and directed this and it has a very guardians of the galaxy feel to it i mean it's a completely different story completely different cast but it does kind of have that feel to it yeah a team of misfits gets together to fight each other and then save the world Mm -hmm. or the universe Mm -hmm. or the galaxy you know whatever while it has more gruesome stuff happening in it it still has that underlying tone of trying to be a comedy still you know, an action comedy. Well, yeah, yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? It, yeah. it definitely feels more, more Marvel-y than other DC Universe movies. Maybe that's why it did better than the other one. So I suppose it's possible. That other one was just a Frankenstein of a movie, though. I mean, it, they, it, yeah, it wasn't very good. The story, they, the story was not good. Yeah, on top of the fact that they, they had to chop in a bunch of funny stuff or attempted to chop in some funny stuff to lighten the tone a little bit. And then you had that, just that God awful Joker interpretation. I mean, the whole that's right. That was in that movie too. Yeah. It was, I feel like that movie didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah. And it had, it struggled with its identity. And if they would have just let it go without trying to make it funny, I think it would have been better. You don't need to have the superhero movies be funny. I mean, yeah, Marvel does good with their comedy and theirs, but right. DC doesn't have to do the same thing. I mean, Batman movies are pretty dark and don't have a lot of comedy in, and they do really well. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So we had seen this movie before we watched it for this, right? We, we, did we go? No, we didn't go to theaters. This was in the middle of COVID, wasn't it? We went and we saw this on HBO Max when it premiered last right. year. Yeah, Correct. Okay. So this, this was our collectively our second time watching it or this. Yeah, my third time. Your third time, huh? You watched it again. Yeah, in, I in saw between? it. Yeah, I saw it once, I think towards the end of last year i saw it again so i've I've seen it three times now well okay 
All right. Do you want to tell us? We, well, we know James Gunn directed it. Who else he, was in it, or who else? Yeah. Was so James Gunn wrote and directed it. He is also the writer of this. We have Idris Elba. We have Idris Elba as Bloodsport. Margot Robbie is back as Harley Quinn. John Cena plays Peacemaker. Joel Kinnaman as Colonel Rick Flagg. Viola Davis is back as Amanda Waller. We have Michael Rooker as Savant. And then the rest of these are kind of just in here a little bit. Uh, Nathan Fillion as TDK. Jay Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Flula Borg as Javelin. Pete Davidson as Blackguard. Sean Gunn as Weasel. So we have Daniela Melchior as Ratcatcher 2. David Dash Malkian as Polka Dot Man. And Sylvester Stallone voices King Shark. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so it's chock full of people. That's for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of people in here. Yeah, definitely. Anybody a standout to you? I like Idris Elba. I like most of the stuff he's in. So it was fun seeing him in here. The gal who plays Ratcatcher 2, I don't recognize her, but I thought she did really good. I, I really enjoyed her role. And I think... <laughs> I think my favorite, and he's supposed to be the goofiest one here, is the guy who plays Polka Dot Man. I mean, what a tortured individual, but that was just a fun, ridiculous character to see on screen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely unique. He's definitely unique. Now, I like Idris Elba in just about everything I've ever seen him in as well. I don't mind him in this movie, but he definitely feels like Deadshot like dollar store dead shot, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's basically what he's playing in this. We don't get to those guys right off the bat though. Right. We no. start off, we start off with like a whole bunch of other weirdos. We get, we get, well, Rick flag is leading this, the squad, which is, which is all we're exposed to is the squad. Right. And it's got Harley Quinn. It's got, so it, they put Harley Quinn on this first team because then you're convinced, Oh, this is them. This is the, this is the team. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've got her, you've got Weasel, you've got what is, what is Michael, I already said him. What is, what is Michael Rooker's? Savant. Okay. So you got Savant, you've got Captain Boomerang, and you've got Pete Davidson's character, whoever the hell his name was, Blackguard or something. And the detachable kid, Nathan Fillion's character, the detachable kid, the mm -hmm. just absolutely bizarre bottom of the barrel characters for the most part. Right. And they definitely all definitely ones I've never heard of before. <laughs> right, right. I've heard of, I've heard of a couple of them, but not like this. And <laughs> it, <laughs> they get completely wiped out. Right. Like everybody gets just killed. Harley Quinn gets taken prisoner. Rick flag gets taken prisoner. And we folk, we switch focus to, another team that was inserting at the same time. So basically, basically the first team was the distraction. These guys are the, the pros, right? And this is where you get blood sport. This is where you get polka dot man. This is where you get King shark and peacemaker and rat catcher too. your main team. Right. And I, I guess what I really liked about this whole opening sequence is because they are focusing on that other team and the other team has Rick flag, Harley Quinn, Boomerang, people mm -hmm. from the original one. Right. I did not see 
just the absolute bloodbath that happened coming. Right. I, right. I, it, it, I wasn't anticipating it, but it was really kind of almost fun to see because this is the suicide squad. People are supposed to be dying <laughs> in this, right? I mean, you are right. Right. You're, you've got these crazy missions that they're going out on and death is going to happen. Well, the, I, the, I thought it was weird though, that they put those three main ones, well, mainly Harley Quinn and Colonel flag in the decoy group. Right. I think what they, I think this serves two purposes. First, it's a diversion for the audience, right? It's a misdirect. And I think, it, I think it's effective. I think it's an effective misdirect for the audience as well. But then it also is James Gunn saying, forget, forget that old Suicide Squad. We're going mm-hmm. to literally kill off half of the old Suicide Squad. They're gone. This is, this is my Suicide Squad from now on. Sure. So I think it, I think it effectively manages to do both things. So they're on, the island that they're on is called the Corto Maltese. And what's happened is it's a South American island nation and its government has been overthrown by an anti-American regime. So the teams are going, are there to destroy a lab called Jotunheim, which holds in a top secret experiment. The experiment is called Project Starfish. And that leads to probably my only real favorite John Cena line, where he says, Starfish is, is another word for butthole. Is there any relation? <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's taking notes and he says that. So with, with Flag's team wiped out by the Corto Maltese military and Flag and Quinn being captured, we get the, you know, we get the other team. They end up figuring out, or they get diverted by Waller because she knows that Flag is still alive. She's like, you need mm-hmm. to go and, you need to go and help him. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> They go in and they murder like everybody that's in this camp. On Waller's orders. On Waller's orders, yes. They murder everybody that's in this camp. And it turns out that these are the resistance fighters that are fighting against the government that's been taking that, that they've taken <laughs> right. control. They're on so our side, kind they're, of. <laughs> yeah, they're on your side, right? And so they form an unlikely alliance with the leader. Her name is Sol Soria. And they and then we flash to Harley being held captive by the Corto Maltese government. So we get this whole bit with Harley. Now, this is, a, this is a big chunk of the movie, this, this first part. That's mm-hmm. a big chunk of the movie. That's like a good 45 minutes, right? Then we get mm-hmm. a, a 10 to 15 minute bit with Harley where she's falling in love with the leader of this new regime. And she realizes that he's an abusive prick. And so she kills him after she's broken out. And, and, then, and then she gets taken prisoner, right? So what I really love about that is that Harley is used in like little bits she's not integral to the plot she's not the main character and i mm-hmm. think she is i think she's a hundred percent more effective in that role in that particular like spot than she is when she's the main character i would sure. argue i would argue that Ratcatcher 2 is kind of the main character in this because she's the one that takes the the bad guy down at the end she's the one that has the most character mm-hmm. development right mm-hmm. and i think that yeah. she's definitely a more interesting character than harley at this point what do well you we don't know as much about her so i think there is some interest there i know for you you don't tend to like harley 
Quinn, she's been overused because of her popularity. And so I think, I think you kind of have a certain view going into it maybe. Okay. I need to correct you on this and not because, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, I am man, I must correct woman. It is simply that I dislike the fetishization of Harley Quinn as a character Mm -hmm. and the idea, because the people that you see that just love Harley Quinn, love Harley Quinn and the Joker together. And that's a, that's an abusive relationship. That's a, Mm -hmm. that's a, that's not something to look up to. And they spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on this. Oh, I want to find the Joker of my Harley Quinn. Oh, you want somebody that's going to beat the crap out of you, put you, leave you near dead and then leave you and then come back. That's what you're looking for. That's really what you need, huh? So sure, sure. there's an over fetishization of Harley Quinn as a character in, on both sides too, right? So there's the, there's the male gaze part of that as well, where, you know, and you saw that you saw that in David Ayer's version of the suicide squad harley was barely wearing anything at all in that movie right in this movie she's dressed like a normal person would dress Mm -hmm. right and i'm no prude i'm just saying like when you put that out there you're saying something specific about that character do you know what i mean sure and i not that i dislike harley it's just that i think that harley is misused and i think she is over fetishized by both sides And then in this movie, then she is able to see that this guy is a bad guy. And she, I don't know if you need to, well, I suppose in this case, you're probably going to end up killing the guy because otherwise he's going to kill you. But you know what I mean? She sees it and she puts a stop to it. She doesn't proceed with it. Right. I, I, I think that that is a smart move mm-hmm. from a storytelling standpoint, because now you've got another reason to look up to Harley Quinn, besides the fact that she's got a crazy boyfriend who will do anything for her. Right. Like, <laughs> like now you have this reason to look up to her, a real reason. Right. She knows when someone's being an abusive prick and she knows what to do with someone who's been abu- being an abusive prick. No, I'm not saying go out and murder people. I'm saying don't allow yourself to be taken advantage of right, by that. You know? Right. Don't participate in that relationship. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a healthy conversation to have, right? Filmically, I think, I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah. Yeah. So she, so she gets, she gets arrested and they torture her. And while they're torturing her, the other parts of the squad are sent in to basically go and get at, go and get the thinker who is the guy who is in charge of project starfish right what are those things in his head i don't know okay. comic, book, comic book things okay i was like uh, is that <laughs> is that like vials of stuff that he shoved in I his head or what is I that i don't know i'm not super i'm not super familiar with the thinker uh, okay i i know of the character i know the name i've seen it in like the who's who of the DC universe comics back in the day, but I don't really know what that stuff is, I guess, if that makes any sense. So they, then they go on a rescue mission for Harley, but Harley breaks out on her own. She ends up, she's being tortured by these guys. She breaks out. She, she knocks out the torturers and she breaks out in like spectacular fashion, you know, shooting guns. And there's this great scene where she's spinning around with a couple of pistols and shooting people as they're coming through like doorways in this like rotunda area. So, and of course there's in her, you can, they give you like a little bit more of a, like 
another look into Harley's brain as she's breaking out and there's flowers bursting out behind her, you know, right. like that's, <laughs> that's just, that's just another good, another, another little flourish to show us, Hey, Harley's not quite all there, you know, but she intercepts the team as they're trying to break her out. And I really love that moment when she yeah. realizes they're there to save her. And she's huh. like, I'll go back in. <laughs> Yeah, she offers to go back and let them rescue her because it's she thinks it's sweet that they're coming for her. Right, right. right. Well, she didn't have that before, you know? Mm-hmm. And so no. that's something important for her. I, I yeah. really liked that moment. That was good. Yeah. So once the team is all together again, they use the thinker to break into Jotunheim and they rig the facility with explosives. So, and then Flag and Ratchcatcher 2 take the thinker to this lab in the basement and the, the thinker reveals that Project Starfish is actually an alien named Starro the Conqueror. He's a giant alien starfish. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Basically, what it does is it can. I'm going to I'm going to the way that it my brain interpreted it was it poops out baby starfish that attach themselves to other creatures, kill the creatures and control their bodies. Am I on to something here? Is that is that really what they're doing here? Is that really what Starro is doing? Kinda. Is it like one of those like hive mind things? Like this Starro thing is like controlling all these beings now? And I think so. I think it's a hive mind. It it definitely kind of feels like the Borg from Star Trek, or uh, I don't know, like. Uh, but it's but it's effectively different, right? Because it's got it's kind of got an alien feel to it as well, like where you know the alien face hugger grabs onto the head or mm-hmm. whatever. But this right. it basically turns people into puppets, right? Like he just puppets people from there, right? Yeah, yeah. So and then they show what it looks like when you pull one off, and it's gross. Like their people's faces are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it's eating the faces off. Yeah, but so Starro was brought to Earth by the U.S. government from space because they wanted to experiment on him, and they've been funding experiments on him in the Corto Maltese for the past thirty years, and they've been using the island's citizens as test subjects. So this is kind of jarring, right? I mean, this puts this puts a very dark pale over the Suicide Squad's mission, really, right? Right. They're there to cover up. They're not there mm-hmm. to rescue. They're not there to help. They're there to help one entity, the U.S. government, the shady, shady U.S. government in this movie. Right. right. And the fact that that Amanda Waller is just okay. She just doesn't want them to help with any of the mess they've made. Just get the stuff and get out. And yeah, I... Amanda Waller is a bad, bad lady. She is a vile person. She is Mm -hmm. cold as hell. I mean, willing to just murder people for whatever reason. I mean, put Bloodsport's daughter in a, you know, bad prison just to get him to do what she wants. And then to find out that what she wants is just a U.S. cover up. Right. Right. I mean, she's threatening really bad things to do other bad things. Right. And I mean, even Flag, who up until this point, he's been a good soldier, right? He's been doing, he's done everything he needs to do. He know he recognizes that this is really effed up. So mm-hmm. he takes the drive. 
and he's gonna he's gonna basically use that to their advantage or like expose the situation and just as he's like as he's having his hero moment peacemaker shoots him Mm -hmm. peacemaker kills him like out of nowhere like peacemaker you'd figure that he would be the guy that would be law and order right but if you know the character this doesn't feel like out of place i didn't know the character before this i know the character now because i've done some research on it Right. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. The, mm-hmm. the first time we watched this, I was like, what the hell? This is just out of left field. Yeah. Yep. But watching it the second time, you know, there's parts leading up where you start getting that he's, he, he will do anything to keep the peace, even right. if it means not keeping the peace. Right. Yes. That's the thing about him. Right. He, he, it's like he, he doesn't those... understand what it means. No, it, it, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. But it's, I think it's also like this. I think he's kind of a meant to be a, an anagram for the United States. Do you know what I mean? Think about it. He's dressed in red, white, and blue. He's willing to kill people to preserve peace, which is what the u.s will do right any country really but in this particular case because this is a u.s based property they're saying they're they're making a commentary on their you know their their home country right they make war they make war to preserve the peace right mm-hmm. think about think about vietnam they went over to vietnam because they have to preserve the peace the peace here in the united states depended on them making war elsewhere right so yeah but so he leaves breadcrumb trail. Like if you're watching this movie a second time, you know where this breadcrumb trail leads now. Right. Yeah. So when he says, I'm willing to do anything, I'm willing to kill to keep, I'm willing to kill to save lives. Is what I think is what he says. I'm willing to kill to save lives. Okay. Well, we know this now, right? We know what mm-hmm. he's willing to do. Also, you see at the beginning, Amanda Waller is telling Bloodsport that each person is picked for their unique abilities, but he points out that Peacemaker and Bloodsport have very similar abilities. Right. You know, so, okay, why do they have the same two people on the same team there? Well, the truth is that they don't have the same abilities. See, they both can do the same things with tools, but Peacemaker's Mm -hmm. ability is beyond, Peacemaker's ability beyond Bloodsport or Bloodsport. Is it Bloodsport? Peacemaker's yeah. ability beyond blood sports capabilities is that he is willing to go that extra step to do mm-hmm. what he knows he has to do to do that. Now, does right, that... but that's what I'm saying is, you know, you start right. seeing that as you go back and watch it again, like, right. oh, okay, okay. This is yeah. all set up and planned and she's got him in there for a reason. Right, right. Because she knows that he'll do what he needs, him, mm-hmm. what she needs him to do. Now, does that make him a good guy or bad guy? That's the question. Where do you sit on Peacemaker? Do you see him as a good guy or bad guy? Oh, he's a bad guy. Why is he getting his own TV show? Because people like John Cena. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure why that is, but okay. I, mean, I, I don't know why they're that. doing a TV show on this either. I, I'll, I, I'm i going to check it out and just see you know, yeah. what, what it is they're going to do with it. But yeah. I don't know. It seems weird to have a TV show after this. I would say he is an anti-hero. He is like the Punisher or like Ghost Rider or something along those lines to give you give you Marvel Universe 
reference points, right? Like, sure. Like the Punisher does some really horrible shit, yeah. but he does it in the service of justice, in the service of, you know, writing the scale. Mm-hmm. Now, Peacemaker, though, he's doing this not to write the scales of society, but to write the scales of government. Right. He's kind of like Superman almost in a way, because Superman does this, you know, truth, justice in the American way thing. Right. And well, OK, not not mainline Superman, but he's kind of like Superman in The Dark Knight Returns. It, it shows Superman as a fascist regime's lapdog. Because he's so connected to, quote unquote, the American way, when the American government in that comic turns fascist, he's still so to that idealism. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's how that's what Peacemaker makes me think of is that he's not going for like truth, justice in the American way. He's going for the American way and then maybe truth and justice if he has to. That's how he that's how he strikes me. Okay, sure. So after, after Peacemaker murders Flag, he goes after Ratcatcher too. But meanwhile, there's a fight between the other squad members in the Corto Maltese army that accidentally sets off the explosions or the explosives, excuse me, prematurely. And the facility starts crumbling as Peacemaker is trying to kill Ratcatcher too. Because he knows, you know, the tr- she knows the truth about Starro. But Bloodsport kills him. And takes the drive that 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 flag was going to use. Now, do you like how they did that? Because they pointed it out. They 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 laid this out right away in the movie. Yeah. Right? Like I use smaller mm-hmm. bullets. Smaller bullets can you know go through like a spot without touching anything or whatever, touching any sides or whatever of the uh, of the hole or whatnot. And of course, that's how they do it. Bloodsport's bullet, you know penetrates the bullet of a peacemaker and mm-hmm. shatters it on its way to you know taking out his target right what'd you right. think of that i thought that was pretty interesting like you said they set it up and mm-hmm. and there it paid off yeah <laughs> okay so polka dot man is kind of responsible for the facility blowing up right yes yeah <laughs> So let's talk about Polka Dot Man. intentionally. Right. Let's talk about Polka Dot Man for a minute because what he does is he creates, or he, what what did he call it? It's an interdimensional virus or something that he has. You've seen it three times. Come on. You've seen it three times. I think so. I think that's (laughs) what it is. Okay. So it's an interdimensional virus and these Polka Dots grow on him and he has to release them. Otherwise he would explode, right? Yeah. He throws Polka Dots. He throws Polka Dots that are explosive. Right. Or, or they almost or look corrosive. like acid or yeah. something, you know, like yeah. it's going to melt the stuff down. Right. But him fighting the Corto Maltese army ends up triggering the explosives and blowing them up. We haven't even talked about King Shark. We haven't. It's almost well, like it doesn't matter. He doesn't really matter. He's yeah. there for comedy effect and that's it. He's Groot. Yeah. That's basically what he is, right? I mean, he's saying and doing things that Groot would do acting like a, you know, a gleeful 12 year old or something. Yeah. 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 I would say he's probably the stand in for Groot. If you're going to compare the two. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to, it's hard not to because James Gunn Mm -hmm. 
and knowing what he has done with Groot, with this character that can really only say one line, mm-hmm. he did. He he managed to make him a likable character. Now, I'm not saying King Shark isn't likable. I'm just saying he's not necessary to the oh, story. Oh yeah, really. I liked him too, yeah. but he really doesn't play a part in this. Does he do anything important to this or in this? I should say he's not responsible. I don't know because he doesn't. I mean, he attacks Starro, but he's not the one that takes him down. Does he save anybody? I'm trying to think if he saved anybody. He eats a lot of people. Num nums. He eats you know. a lot of people. You got to get his num nums in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I I just don't know. Like if he wasn't there, would the story have changed a lot? I don't. I don't think it would have. That's the real question, right? Like. I feel like Polka Dot Man is integral to the plot because he's, you know, he sets off the explosions. His mommy issues mm-hmm. are ki- kind of drive him and they use that to their advantage in the, in the mm-hmm. film. Ratcatcher 2 is important. She has a, you know, a thing where her whole thing is, you know, proving that even the smallest person is important. Mm-hmm. Quinn isn't even that important, is she? Like, I feel well, like she's the Harley's- one that actually gets through the eyeball with her javelin. Yeah, but I think those rats would have gotten in anyway, right? They might have, yeah. There was a lot of them. Yeah. There was a lot of them. I don't know. I feel like Harley Quinn was tacked on and King Shark was tra- was tacked on. But you need you need Harley for the, the marquee name and you need King Shark for the comedic relief. Yeah, you do get some of the comedy with Harley's character, though, too. So they double up. Know. Yeah. They doubled yeah. up then. They doubled up. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So they blow up the building and Jotunheim comes down and the explosions, however, have allowed Starro to escape the lab and he kills the thinker and most of the military, but he takes control of them with his little starfish armpit things. <laughs> yep. And the squad goes to intervene, but Waller tells them that their mission's complete and they have to return to the base. But Bloodsport chooses chooses to ignore them and or ignore her and leads the team into battle. Ratcatcher 2 summons the city's rats to chew Starro to death from the inside. But of course, you, like you said, Harley gets the javelin thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which ties to the beginning of the movie. Like there's a character that uses javelin. that javelin. Yeah, his name is Javelin that uses that javelin at the beginning of the movie and gives it to Harley when he's dying saying, you know, you know, I need you to use this, you know, for good or something like that. And she spends the rest of the movie wondering, what does that mean? And it just right. means, you know, stab a starfish in the eye. That's it. Right. That's but you got to remember, she is not mentally stable. So something like that is going to like, just be there stuck in her head. Like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? You know? Yeah. 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 Okay, so after after Starro gets eaten to death, the military is mostly gone. So basically, Surya comes in and takes control of the government and pledges democratic elections. And Bloodsport decides that he's going to blackmail Amanda Waller into letting him and his teammates go in exchange for keeping that contents of the drive confidential. And so she, you know, she realizes she doesn't have a choice. She agrees. And the squad gets airlifted out of the Corto Maltese. And then in the mid-credits bit, we get to see that Peacemaker is still alive and being nursed back to health by Amanda Waller's like associates. Which, of course, now we know that the Peacemaker miniseries or series or whatever 
that's coming to HBO Max will probably be taking place after this, not just before. Right. So, so one thing in that whole bit you were talking about is when Bloodsport decides to go against Waller's orders and try and take down Starro. Yeah. She's going to blow him up. Right. She's got her finger on the button. She's ready to go. And her staff take her out with a golf club. Right. Yeah. They knock her out. Cause they see the importance of what's happening too. So yep. Waller's so worried about this information getting out. She's willing to let that whole civilization just be taken yeah. over and killed Yep. just to save that information for the United States. Yeah. It tells you the depth of the depravity of her character. You could almost say the depth of her commitment as a character, but I really think it's depravity. I mean, that's just that's just sick, right? To use an entire nation to further your goals right. or the goals of your bureaucratic, you know, overlords, I guess I should say. How about that? Yeah, and they don't really pay much of a price, do they? They th- they basically have a little coup. Mhm. And they overthrow like Waller's control. And I don't see any of them in prison afterwards. What their punishment is to take care of Peacemaker until he gets better. There's Maybe. a couple of them, that right? That would be punishment enough, I suppose. What, sitting there watching him in a hospital bed? <laughs> That's not punishment. Maybe. I don't know. I don't what know. You, you could read a magazine. I mean, you can have all kinds of fun in a hospital. Anyway, so do you, I, I feel like this leaves it open for the potential for a sequel, but it also closes the story off really effectively without saying, okay, well, there's going to be more coming, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's the movie. I mean, there's it, it's a long movie and there's a lot of action in it. So there's very little, when it comes to it, there's very little story that's important. As you can see, as you, like, as I said, we cut out King Shark almost entirely. And it, it barely mattered. Mm-hmm. One last thing about the ending. The fact that the rats took out Starro and you have this flashback sequence where Ratcatcher 2 talks is, is like talking to her dad, who's Ratcatcher 1. And she asks him, why rats? And he says, well, because even the lowliest of us, even the, even the smallest of us is important in the grand scheme of things. Even the smallest of us matter. That's basically the suicide squad, right? Mm-hmm. The dregs of society, the ends of, you know, the, the worst in the prisons, the prison complex or whatever, still have something to offer society. Right. I thought that was pretty cool. And it's a very James Gunn touch, you know? It is. Yes. <laughs> so do you have any Jennifer's trivia tidbits? I do. Oh, cool. Okay, good. What do you got? All right. James Gunn described the film as neither a direct sequel or a reboot of the first film, but what it is, is a standalone sequel, if that makes sense, which I could see it really doesn't follow the first one that much, but it does have some similarities. So, well, it's got characters in it, but they just, they just dispatch those characters like right away, you know, like Captain Boomerang's gone in a heartbeat and then flag is gone halfway through the movie. So, well, now three quarters of the way through the movie. James Gunn specifically filled the suicide squad with obscure and unknown villains. Since he felt that was more faithful to the squad in the comics. It he is. said there's an innate tragic element to supervillains who aren't even that good at being bad. And 
the original Suicide Squad, as written by John Ostrander in the 1980s, didn't have like a Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley Quinn didn't exist back then. Didn't have a Harley Quinn. It had, it literally had like nobodies. Mm-hmm. So that was, I thought that was a stroke of genius, honestly. Well, James Gunn is a huge comic fan. Yes. So yes, yeah. if, if you see any of behind the scenes for any of these movies he does, he, he knows comics. He's a reader. It's not just a director coming in who doesn't know the history or the background of these stories. Yep, absolutely. He also went and looked online. Who's the dumbest DC character of all time? And it was Polka Dot Man. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah, okay. Well, I, I could make an argument about that, but let, I'll, I'll allow it. He is pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so he, of course, wanted him in the film also. Because he's James Gunn. Right. Okay, now we talked a little bit about the Bloodsport Deadshot thing. Yeah. Will Smith was actually set to return as Deadshot, but left due to scheduling conflicts because he was filming King Richard. So they initially hired Idris Elba to replace Will Smith as Deadshot, but they later decided that Elba would play a new character, Bloodsport, to allow Smith to return in a, in a future film if they wanted to. Talk about somebody who has a very similar skill set too because like Idris Elba's character is very similar to Deadshot like now I didn't I don't know I don't know Bloodsport very well but the research that I've done basically same thing right really good with weapons you know now the only I think the biggest difference here is in the comics Bloodsport can pull weapons from the netherworld right but they adapted this to the screen to he's pulling it from his suit so it's like a special suit instead which i think is easier to read than something coming out of the netherworld well you don't have to you don't have to take any time to set it up right you know so Bloodsport is actually in prison for shooting superman with a kryptonite bullet in the movie that's the that, thing that that's why he's in prison, but they do mention it in the movie. Amanda Wait, Waller says that he shot Superman. That's why he's in here. Okay. Okay. Warner brothers gave gun complete freedom and said he could kill whichever characters he wanted and do whatever he felt right with the narrative. Wait, they gave him the chance to kill Harley Quinn and he didn't take it. I would think they would have stepped in and said, okay, okay. Everybody maybe accept her. <laughs> don't you think i feel like they maybe would have put a kibosh on that the suits would definitely see their dollar signs like flying out the window if he did that but i do like that he chose to rehabilitate her as a character rather than kill her off because that's the easy get right that's the easy Mm -hmm. emotional like oh they killed harley i'm sad sure now you make it about polka dot man dying and you're like this this completely obscure absurd character that that nobody knows or even likes the people that do know him, you know, now all of a sudden he's this tragic character that everybody kind of feels for by the end of it. I feel for him by the end of it. I did too. So much so that I was really sad to see him die. <laughs> I know. I, know. I, I mean, I didn't cry or anything, but I was like, Oh no. Right. <laughs> right. Know? So he did a good job making mm-hmm. me actually sympathize for that. James, guy. James Gunn doesn't go for the easy, you know, the easy, get, the easy get, right. He's not going to be like, Oh, Harley Quinn, we're going to kill her. She's, she's going to give us an easy reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like that. I appreciate that he did that. 
James Gunn also stated that he never even considered putting the Joker in the film or talked to Jared Leto about it due to him not having any useful skills for the squad's mission. Thank God. Yeah. I, that was, I think one of my biggest problems with the first one is Joker in there. I, I just did not care for that at all in there. Yeah. Suicide Squad comic writer John Ostrander plays Dr. Fitzgibbon in the film. So he actually makes an appearance in the film. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. There is a cameo by Palm Clementif. Is that how you say her name? Clementif? Yeah. I think so. She's actually in Guardians of the Galaxy, but Mm -hmm. she was filming on location nearby. And I guess James Gunn called her or messaged her and asked her to come on over. And so she came in and did that uncredited cameo as a dancer in the bar there. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. She's okay. I didn't recognize her. I didn't either, but that's probably because she doesn't have all the makeup and the antennas on. So her face is a little different, (laughs) but once I knew that she was in there, I watched for her and you could tell it's her if if you're looking for. Ah, okay. If you look at the monitor that is tracking the characters, the end there, the weasel and peacemaker are still listed as alive. And James Gunn points out that you don't see TDK die either. (laughs) I don't know if they're trying to set up for a sequel that he's going to be in there or what. I don't know. I I know that they, I know that Weasel is still alive because he does like wake up and like run off in another post-credits thing. Right. Right. Or is that that very end of the very tail end of the movie maybe, or I don't remember if it might be the first post-credit maybe right right but yeah so like but but like they were so sure he was dead right like he wasn't breathing so he basically comes back to life yeah and takes off yeah (laughs) and i have one alternate casting and this is for peacemaker james gunn actually wanted dave bautista to play peacemaker but Bautista turned down the role to be in Army of the Dead. I think he made a bad choice, but that's just my personal opinion. That's a lot of people's opinion. That's not, <laughs> that's not just your opinion. I think a lot of people feel that way. I have, a, I have a Richard's trivia tidbits. All right. What is it? In Bell Reef Prison, the guy who shouts at Bloodsport while he's standing in line, the prisoner that's standing there, and he's got like the tattoo around the top of his head. Oh, yeah. That's a character named Calendar Man. He's a Batman villain. So he makes a brief appearance in Bell Reef Prison. Ah, I yeah. didn't know that character existed. I caught him as, I, like on our second viewing, I caught it as it was going okay. by. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's Calendar Man. So, and you can tell because Calendar Man has the months tattooed around his head, January, February, March, April. I think it's neat that these movies will put in, They, I feel like they do try and cater to both types of fans. You have people like me who are the movie fans. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of the comic book stories or history. I don't know that stuff, but I'm still able to go in and watch this and enjoy this. But then they throw stuff like that in there for those of you that are comic book fans and stuff that I'm not ever going to pick up on. And so I think that's kind of neat that they try and cater to both sides there because I think that's a hard, hard thing to balance out. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Also, I do have one other thing I forgot to. Oh, okay. Or not forgot to, but I, I didn't just have one Richard's trivia tidbits. I have another one. The Corto Maltese, the island nation, made its first appearance in Batman: The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller from the 1980s. This is the series that the miniseries that kind of revitalized Batman and took him away from being campy and took him into like a darker spot. But that. 
it's a it's supposed to be like a war-torn country and it kind of gets mentioned here and there it gets mentioned in like the arrow tv series it's mentioned in like their first batman movie vicky vale had just gotten back from being like a war correspondent in the corto maltese and so like it's cool to see that like they've actually gone there now it's not just mentions Mm -hmm. anymore here we are in the corto maltese we're seeing the conflict that we've been hearing about since 1986 yeah i just thought that was pretty cool so that is that's all I have. So I suppose we should get right down to it then, right? If we don't have any other trivia and no other notes, do you have any other notes? Mm-hmm. Anything else that popped up while we were talking? No, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So this is a keep, rent, or erase. What do you rank this one, Jen? This for me is a keep. I actually enjoyed this movie. I wasn't sure I was going to. Number one, because the first one was not very good. <laughs> and because I knew it was going to have characters i had never heard of i knew that there was this starfish thing in here that i was just like (laughs) okay i don't know about this thing this is gonna be weird right right. but i i mean it probably helped that i went in with low expectations but i i enjoyed this a lot so i'm going to keep this movie okay all right so i okay well i teetered between keep and rent to be honest with you because, and here's why, because in my second viewing, I started to lose interest about midway through. I started to lose interest, not because it's not a good movie, but because it's like, there's a lot of action and the action scenes, I'm like, okay, well, we know what's going on here. Just get to the point, right? Let's, let's cut maybe five minutes of this action scene here and let's get to the story, you know? But I think what ultimately ends up leaning me back towards keep is the fact that there it's such there's such snarkiness to this movie that i absolutely love the things like they killed captain boomerang right off the bat they just murdered all the existing you know the existing suicide squad characters basically you know james gunn wiping the the slate clean and saying nope we're done we're gonna start over he had mm-hmm. Flag's team get wiped out for the most part, except for Harley and Flag. And then we go and focus on these other guys. He takes the idea of the Suicide Squad back to, like you said, the John Ostrander original concept, which is, you know, bumbling, you know, crazy people that are really bad at being bad guys having to come together and do a mission. And mm-hmm. not everybody survives. People die. And not, mm-hmm. not because they like sacrifice themselves, you know, to, you know, for whatever, sometimes they just die because something falls on them, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the trade-off. I could get away. I could get out earlier if I do this or I might die. You know, I think those are the things that kind of lean me back towards, towards keep, because I feel like I'll watch this again. All right. So that's where I stand. So, so both of us are going to keep this. Thing. We're yeah, This is a keeper for both of us. What what's next? What are we doing next week? Next week we are going to cover Candyman. Oh man, I love Tony Todd. Oh wait, you mean the new one? Yes, the new Candyman. Oh okay, all right. Haven't seen that one yet. Looking forward to it. Ought to be fun. Yeah, we've I been talking if... about watching this for months and I just know. have not gotten around to it. I know we never got to the theater to see it. We've got it sitting in our voodoo i think now mm-hmm. yes we to do. watch yeah 
So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that one. I'm ready. I love the original Candyman. I think it's one of the better horror movies of the late 80s, early 90s era. It came out in 92. So I put that, I put like generationally, I put like horror movies into like late 80s is kind of the end of that like 80s slasher thing, right? So late 80s to early 90s is the transition from 80s slashers to 90s slashers. And I think Candyman's kind of this bridge point for that whole that whole thing so sure a much sure. more cerebral slasher than we've seen in the past so yeah all good right. stuff okay cool all right so that's next week we'll see you right here on the couch thanks for listening thank you for listening to a view from the couch we value your feedback please consider leaving us a review on podbean itunes or your preferred podcast listening app you can reach us on facebook by searching at a view from the couch on twitter at view underscore couch or by emailing us at a view from the couch at yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye. See ya.